Andrew's wife and children as they continue on. Obviously, if you ever experienced uh, tragedy, uh, it's, it, it, it affects you, honestly, for a long, long, long time. And, uh, and this morning, as even as we sang about the love of God and the reality of God, of him not relenting, there are, that even in the moments of our questions and our questioning, that he won't relent even in those moments because he is a God of love. And, and so I want you, even as you in, as embrace the love of Jesus, right, as you embrace the awareness of God's presence with us this morning, may it com- propel you and compel you to be praying for those who are struggling, maybe even in greater ways than you are. This morning. All right. Well, hey, this morning we um, we are moving into uh, this uh, moving. Actually, I think next Sunday begins Advent, right? The season of of leading up to the coming of Jesus, obviously represented at Christmas and openly talks about the second coming of Jesus also that we're preparing ourselves for for his coming. And so for us at Vintage, we're moving into a, a series that we're called Generous Living. Generous living. And as I told you last week, that generous living is leading up to uh, December 16th, which is our year end offering. You're like, what are you talking about? Steve? Right. Talking about Christmas. Well, the year end offering for us is is, is something that, uh, that that we have an intention behind. And I want to just make sure you understand it's very clear what this year end offering looks like. The year end offering for us this year, December 16th, is not for us. OK, we're taking up a year end offering and 100 percent of that money's will leave our four walls and go to those who are in need, right? That we are going to be generous in our own life and our own giving. So there are three things that we are giving to in this this season of we're talking about this generous living. The first thing, you pull that slide up for me if you don't mind. Number one is the Jubilee gift. We recognize that in vintage, that Deuteronomy 15 is still applicable today, that Jesus says, listen, he says that in the New Testament, he's just reiterating what Deuteronomy 15 said, is this, listen, there should be no poor among you because you're being so generous with your own giving. He was talking to Israel, the body uh, that his people, his chosen people, right? We are now, because of Abraham, the seed of Abraham, who believe in Jesus, we are fulfilling that commandment, right? That there should be no poor among you. And I, you know, I don't know if you know, but we were receiving requests all the time of people who are struggling. You recognize this, and people that you know who are struggling. So we recognize, God, we want to do our best to come alongside, and, and with this year-end gift, come to those who are experiencing kind of a, experiencing real life, real life needs and coming and blessing them. We'll talking, be talking more about that in December. The second thing we're doing is investing into Karube homes, Karube homes. If you know anything, you've met Tammy Hutchins, who is a missionary that we support in India, and Molly and Dylan Phila, who are missionaries that we support. They're all under what we call the Karube umbrella. So the three things going on that we're investing into, number one is the home itself, right? It's a children's home with over 45 children, Ranging from Autumn, who was four years old, right, all the way up to those who are about to graduate and go off into college. And there are still some college students who are living there, right? So we're going to bless them and coming along and invest into them. Second thing is this. There are those at Karube Home who, when they graduate either from high school and can't go off to college, or those who graduate from college, that they're receiving this full-time call into ministry, Right now, there are four of them. I'll just say the story of Bouvenice. Bouvenice didn't have the grades to go off into college, which is a really big deal. And if you can't pass 10th standard in India, which is basically 10th grade for us to go on to the next level, then basically you are relegated to a life of poverty for the rest of your life. 
Well, Bubanese in prayer one time said, came to Tammy. He's, again, he is he basically 16, 17, 18 years old. Came to Tammy and said, hey, I feel God's calling me into a week-long season of fasting and prayer because he has something he has for me to do, a calling he has on my life, right? So he goes into his time of prayer. God, it's just watched him. He was this young, right? None of us since 1999. Bhuvanese came back to him and said, I sense that God is calling me to this specific part of India, which is a country, which is a part of India, experiencing the greatest uh, level of persecution in all of India. And he said to her, Tammy Ma, I feel like God's called me here and that I'm going to suffer for his name and I cannot wait to go. That, my friends, is overwhelming. That is someone that I want vintage to come behind and undergird and support. That's what we're doing with their year-end gift. We're coming alongside of him. And basically, as a missionary to this part of India, he, we're going to come alongside of him and invest into his life. The third part is Daughters of Hope. Like, sorry if I cry. I'm not trying to get all emotional to get more money from you, right? That was not my intention. It just comes out. These are like, like, like my kids over there, seriously. Just love these kids, right? They, anyway, could go on and on, right? So anyway, third part is Daughters of Hope. Uh, do, uh, mom's like Dolly and Millen. Uh, uh, Molly and Dylan Phila, right? Molly and Dylan Phila, they came a few weeks ago and they shared their story with us. They are basically going into the most marginalized uh, people of India, these women who are in these very difficult homes, right, with abusive husbands, alcoholic husbands, and basically come along and give them a trade, giving them a job, giving them money, taking their ch- they're feeding them every day, feeding their children, right, coming in and just giving them dignity as well as preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus. And these women literally having dreams of the crucified Jesus, and they're giving their lives to him. We saw some of the stories of those women on the video a few weeks ago, right? We're going to be there in April and get to meet them and go into, into Daughters of Hope and meet them. It's going to be exciting stuff. So we're coming alongside of them and investing into them. And the third part is we're investing into church planting. We are a church. We're going to talk about this more in the near future. But we feel God's calling us into a season of, of moving towards church planting at Vintage. And so we want to invest into that by investing into Sojourn Church, which is a brand new church plant over in East Cobb. Ernie Wagner Jr., some of you know him. He's, he's just in the last couple of months planted this church. And so we want to come alongside of him and say, hey, we support you. We believe in you and we encourage you. Here's a bunch of money. Use it for the kingdom, right? So that's what we're doing. We're going to take everything that you give and immediately send it out both, you know, inside, inside uh, our, our family by meeting the needs of those who have needs, but coming alongside the needs of those in India and coming along the, uh, alongside this church plant and investing into, right? So this idea that of generous living. So I want to go ahead and just kind of give you the caveat of this up front. So every, so there's nothing hidden behind the curtain. We're doing this with a purpose. We're doing this, expressing generous living, giving away this gift. Can we use it for our own needs? Of course. There are things that we would love to invest into, things we would love to do at Vintage. But we say, we believe God's saying to us, listen, model as a church generous living then so that your the individual people at Vintage would begin to embrace generous living also. Right. We're expressing it as a whole so that it will challenge you and God will then call you to a life of generous living in every moment of every day of your life. So I'm just being really upfront with you. Right. We're doing it. Yes. In obedience to God, because we believe this. If we are faithful to give to the things that God is calling us to, guess what? 
He will meet all of our needs according to His riches in glory. If we are faithful to give away all of this, then God will meet our needs. It's a testimony to you. Because we're living in a season of hoarding. We are great hoarders. We are great at faithlessness as it relates to resources and the things that we have and believe, God, we're just going to hold on to this for our own personal uses for possible rainy day when God's saying, why don't you just give it all away and trust that when you have a need, I will provide for you. Oh my gosh, don't you hate me right now? This word, it's difficult, it challenges us, right? But this is the season, and how perfect is it? This is all from the Lord, okay? This is not, to come up with this is not my wisdom. I was in prayer one day, and God just said, generous living. And I thought, oh, this is perfect. Oh, wow, we're going into the holiday season with this word. That we use the season, right, to set aside money so that we can buy a bunch of gifts that we really don't need, when Jesus said, actual, my coming was leaving everything behind so that I could give away all of myself. What an act of generous living. Right? And so I'm just laying the foundation for you that I have an expectation that God is going to move us as a church to generosity and move each of you as a lifestyle into at least a greater level of generosity of giving your life away, your time, your money, your energy and your resources away than you ever have before. Because let me tell you, when that happens and we actually exhibit the life that Jesus exhibited, then it changes everyone that's around us. As we become a church who live generously with all that we have. And so with that in mind, I want you to pass the offering baskets this morning. Now, listen, not so I'm manipulating to give money, but because I want, as you pass the basket this morning, if you're a first-time guest, ju- guest, just give us the Connect card. Don't give us anything else, right? But I want the weight of generous living. God, as I pass the basket, God, is this, am I using this basket for your purposes and your kingdom purposes? God, I'm praying for vintage that they would use every resource that comes in to our family for the purpose of your kingdom. Pray for yourself, pray for one another, and pray for us that we would be a people who embrace generous living. Okay, so with that, pass the offering baskets down, and then we'll jump in to this morning. December 16th, that's when the offering is coming. Last year, we took up $30,000. I'm praying that God would multiply that this year, because I want to be able to give more away. Okay, we'll give more away. With that in mind, obviously, as you're passing, don't forget, one way that we can embrace generous living is through this uh, taking these children at Christmas, right? We have over 100 and 30 children that we're coming alongside of parents this year and just helping the parents and uh, basically being Jesus for them by giving them something so they can give to their children. Don't forget to take one or two or three of those children um, that you, this, this year would be awesome. All right, so listen, <clears throat> moving forward. Here's my goal for this morning, and everyone wants you to hear me really clearly. My goal for this morning is to frustrate the hell out of you. Literally, right? My goal is to frustrate 
the hell out of you, right? To bring heaven to you, okay? That's what I'm talking about. Frustrate the hell out of you. I want, I want to lay out some ideas and some thoughts. I want to kind of lay out some truth. I was not cussing there, by the way, right? I'm literally trying to get the hell out of you. I'm trying to get the Jesus into you, okay? So I really, this morning, I want to lay out some thinking and some thoughts from Scripture that I want it to frustrate you. I want you to have, feel tension with it. I, I want it to, I want it, I want to make you feel propelled this week to wrestle with the very words that I've spoken. I want you to, to literally feel an uneasiness with the things that I say. And at the end, I want you to know my goal is to give you no answers this morning. I want you, listen, most of us to come to church with a neat, tidy message that has a beginning, has a climax, and has a resolution in the end. Those are your favorite movies, right? This morning, my goal is to lay out some tension and some frustration that will also make you, oh, right? And then to leave it all open-ended for you so it propels you to Jesus, right? So you actually have to engage your mind once you leave to get to a place of comfort and peace. Does that make sense? How many of you ever had professors like that in school? Right? They just wanted to irritate the snot out of you, literally, right? So it forced you to go figure out why you believe what you believe or really where your thing is, right? That's why I love atheist biology teachers, right? Because they would tell me everything that was wrong with my faith and it would for, I would praise God for them. Thank you for my atheist professor who's making me go back and figure out why I actually believe what I believe. I'm not going to curse him and say he's from the devil. He's straight from Jesus. Because he's making me figure out why I believe what I believe. So I have a foundation to stand on that's of truth. Right? So I want to frustrate the hell out of you this morning. All right. So how, like, growing up, and I think all of us were like this. All of us, we used our imaginations all the time. Right? We would dream all the time. Listen, let me tell you how many touchdowns I scored for the Georgia Bulldogs in my life to win the Sugar Bowl and the national championship. Literally, I used to have a shirt. Remember Vince Dooley? He was the coach back in the, for the Georgia back in the 80s. I had a shirt that said, hold on, Vince, I'm coming. Right? With this picture of this little kid with a helmet that was way too big for him. I would stand. Listen, I was always the Georgia Bulldogs in every game that I played with my neighbor. And I was, I was always bigger, and I was always faster than him. And we won like 4,500 national championships when I was a kid. Why? Because I was using my imagination. Literally, because I would say, I would call myself Herschel Walker, right? Using my imagination, right? And so I was, I was dream, right? I was dreaming these big things. Or how many times I would hit the game-winning RBI to win the World Series. My favorite, one of my favorite things to do with my, at home is to literally walk, to quietly walk up the stairs and listen to my daughters using their imagination in the world that they've created in their room. Here with your kids, you walk up and they're having these like dialogues back and forth between dolls and, and, and invisible people, right? And there's this whole thing and they're literally laughing at jokes that somebody just said. And I'm sitting there thinking, this is so cute. And then I, I slowly make my way into my room and my daughters go, Sarah, so she goes, what are you doing here? <laughs> right? I'm like, Because I just intruded into her imaginary world. There's something beautiful. There's something, pa- listen, there's something powerful about the imagination. There's something beautiful and magnificent about the, the dreams that we dream as, as children, right? The dreams that we dream. There's something that, that, 
causes us to literally love and enjoy even stories and movies and books about alternate realities. I mean, think about it. In the 1970s, this movie came out called Star Wars, right? I mean, we love Star Wars. We love this battle between good and evil and the force, right? We, we love seeing Luke rise up with his lightsaber and just, we love Yoda. I mean, who loves the ugly green man? We do, right? We love this alternate reality. We love Star Trek. These Trekkies, they literally come together, thousands of them dressed up as their favorite character, right? And they're sitting there just, and they're weird and they're like wonderful, right? Because they're in this imaginary dream world. They just love it, right? Chronicles of Narnia. We love it. How many of you, literally, I want to see a show of hands. How many of you pretended and dreamed your imagination one day that you were Superman when you were a kid? Put your hands up, right? Put your hands up loud, proud, right? Every single one of us, we would sit there and go, oh, if I could just be Superman for a day, right? We'd have these, we'd, we would do that with our dreams and our imaginations. Growing up, my family, we loved Indiana Jones, right? We loved Indiana Jones because there was something inside of us, right? With this alternate world, this dream reality of, of, of being powerful and of making a difference. Of, of Indiana Jones, he was just a regular dude like all of us who would go on these crazy adventures. These incredibly, I mean, like, literally he would have died in real life about 6,000 times, right? But because it was a movie, because he's Indiana Jones, right? He's this amazing, like, architect, whatever he was, not architect, what was he in? He was archaeologist, this archie something, right? He was this amazing archaeologist, and here he is, but he's like superhuman archaeologist, and he's going and having these incredible adventures, and we're like, oh, right, we love this. We love this, this reality, alternate reality, and living this life, and how many of us, how many of us have ever read a book? At the end of it, we get us a little bit depressed because we had so entered into the reality of that book that we had to leave it. We're like, oh, why does it have to be over? We tell love stories, right? Men, are the, men and women, this is for both of us. We read these stories of like authentic and powerful and engaging love. We're like, oh my gosh, that's wonderful. I wish we could embrace that and be there, right? We are people who just love this, this imagining, the imagination, this, this dream world and getting into this stuff. Listen, think about gaming, video games for the older people, right? Gaming. How huge gaming has become over the last 20 years. But think about it. It's so powerful because people can literally get into this world and become men and women of valor, men and women of honor, right? They can win battles, right? They can win championships. They literally, because of the, the fascination of computers and the ability of computers, they can literally put their own name on the back of someone's jersey and score the winning touchdown, right? Hit the game-winning RBI. They can fight this massive battle at the end. They can put the sword up, right? Put the sword up. They just won, right? This is alternate reality. And gaming is so huge, but just like everything else, what happens is you have to leave that world. Gamers, they come out of that high into their living room again, right, with Cheeto bags all around them with, like, and wrappers, right? They've been there for days, right? And they're sitting there on this, and they're sitting there having this conversation with someone who lives in Thailand on their, their headset. Like, what? Right? This is crazy. This whole reality. And we come out of even that gaming reality, and guess what? None of it was real. None of it was real. And there's this, like, ugh, when this, this desire to jump back in. We all live in that tension. In fact, I would, I would say, and this is just a thought for you to process. I'm not going to say this is Bible. This is a thought. How many of us today, 
We struggle in life because our lives have never measured up to the imagination and the dreams that we dreamt when we were kids. We live in some level of tension because we never quite measured up to the imagination that we had and the dreams that we dreamt and all this. We just live in this tension. In fact, I would say all of us in this world, to some degree, we we had this idea of something out here that we could become. And we, for honest, we live in some level of tension. So with that in mind, with that in mind, I want to read a verse to you from 2 Corinthians. And I want you to be thinking about that when Jesus speaks the reality of chapter 5, verse 17. It says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Think about those words. If anyone is in Christ, right now, present world, he or she is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. I'm going to read it more. I'm going to read it again for dramatic, just for the drama's sake, right? And therefore, if anyone, anyone is in Christ, he or she, is already presently a new creation. The old is gone, has passed away. The new has come. So in Christ, this phrase in Christ simply means those who've been united to Christ, right? Those who, who Jesus said in John chapter 3, they've been born again, okay? This phrase about being born again. We, if, if you've grown up in church, you understand this idea that, yes, I recognize in one day with Jesus wooing me to himself, to relationship with him, I recognize I have sinned. I have done wrong things, right? I can never earn heaven. I can never earn relationship with Jesus. God, I'm a sinner. I've fallen short. I believe that you died. I believe that you rose again. And I now commit every moment of my life to you, and I will follow you for the rest of my days. You are born again. Anyone, you are in Christ, okay? So, so this morning, here's the question I want you to ask for yourself. Don't raise hands. Are you in Christ or are you out of Christ? Just answer for yourself, okay? Are you in Christ, born again, relationship with him? You know with confidence, 100%, if you die today, you would spend eternity with him. Or are you out of Christ? I'm not sure where I stand, Steve. I'm not sure if I'm really a believer. I'm not sure exactly who I am as a Christian. Okay? So we're doing, so if you're not in Christ, we can talk about that later. But this is a message for those who are in Christ. So you can, you're not in Christ yet. Just listen for what you can become. Fantastic, all right? Bringing you all into the talk. Here we go. So you're in Christ. The result, then, of those who are in Christ is you are a new creation. You are a new creation. So creation, listen, has in mind bringing something into existence or calling into being something that has never existed before. You get that, right? That there was, this, there, was, there was nothing over here, and all of a sudden something was called into being in that place. If you think about creation, you go to Genesis chapter 1, right? It is the first picture, most clear picture in all of Scripture of what creation looks like. Genesis 1, 2. It says, now the earth, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, right? This formless emptiness which enveloped darkness, right? What a great picture of nothingness. There's absolutely nothing except the Spirit of God is hovering. 
Why is the Spirit of God hovering? Because the Spirit of God is waiting for the spoken Word of God. To speak something in existence. You know what happens? God speaks and the Spirit who is hovering moves, right? This beautiful picture of creation. God, there was nothingness. God looked into the nothingness, the void, right? The emptiness and said, something! And the Spirit of God goes, yes, boom, something! You continue to read on in Genesis 1, chapter 2. This is the beauty of God's movement into nothingness, into a void of emptiness. God created. From nothing, something came. This is the beautiful picture of creation. Because what God creates, right? It's beautiful. It's magnificent. It is powerful. It is completely other than, right? Into nothingness, God spoke something, and it was magnificent. It emerged. It just emerged into the moment. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is, she is, a new creation. That's what I want you to understand. When it talks here, it's like you're a new creation. You have to remember there's only, listen, this is important for theology from now on. There is only one creator. There is only one creator. Therefore, any time that there is creation... Guess who it comes from? It comes from God. He is its source. Therefore, every creation is of the same essence, right? Because it's from the same God. It's from the same source. We get this. Think about Vincent Van Gogh. You've heard of him, right? This great painter. Let's say today, and we'd have to rate, increase our insurance for this, we took all of Vincent Van Gogh's painting and we would put them on the wall. Every single one of them. They just kind of line our walls and we call our insurance company and say, please, we've, we've got a little more, uh, a little more valuable as a church, right? All of Van Gogh's paintings, we put them right here, right? Well, all of them are going to be unique, but all of them are going to be the same essence. Why? Because they're all coming from the dreams and the imaginations of one person. They're the same essence, the same source. They will all have a similarity to them. Why? Because they have the same artist. They will be unique. The expression of them, they will be a unique message in each and every one of them. But they'll all have this connectedness, right? They'll all, because they have the same creator, the same source, they'll all be of the same essence, which basically they'll all be priceless. And so God the creator, and us looking at what he's already created in his magnificence says, now, if anyone's in Christ, they are of the same essence as a new creation with the same source, which basically means this. God looked at everyone who's in Christ, and he has a dream and an imagination of what he wants to create them to be. Do you see that? The dreams of God, the imagination of God. Do you realize that creation itself was simply something birthed out of the imagination of God's playtime? You see what I'm getting at, right? I'm not, don't, don't, just the analogy of that. In his time with Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they dreamt, they imagined, they thought these big thoughts and said, Oh, and they said, this is it. Yes, this is what we dreamed of and imagined he created. Therefore, when he creates the new creation in you, for anyone who's in Christ, he says, oh, this is my dream and my imagination coming out into this unique expression of who I am. 
Therefore, if this is magnificent, powerful, wonderful, and beautiful, and priceless, and it's of the same essence, and it means every new creation from God creator is beautiful, magnificent, and priceless as a birth of the dreams and the imagination of God. If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. So the third part is the old is gone. The old is gone. So in creation, right, there's the expanse of formless emptiness, right? And all of a sudden it's here. Here's the, here's the old. And God said, well, here's the new. Boom. And all of a sudden the old is gone. Listen, when Scott and Rebecca Crawford moved into their home, I remember driving in one day. There's all these plots of land, right? This big, big mounds of dirt, and there's nothing there, right? And they forget. I just and I'd come back and forth and never really pay attention. But about three months later, I remember driving to their house, and all of a sudden I looked up, and where there had once been this formless void of nothingness named dirt dirt pile, all of a sudden there was this beautiful house, and I went, what? Right? And I said, man, did this kind of fall out of the sky? Because last time I was here, there was nothingness, and now there is something, right? Where there was no form, now there is complete form. The, there is now nothing, there is something, right? The old dirt pile is gone, and in its place, there's something beautiful, right? It's the, really the dream and the imagination of some, of some builder who's come, and he's created this thing, right? And it's beautiful, and it's wonderful, and someone makes, wants to make their home there, right? Into the nothingness, something was placed, right? The old is gone. Why? Because the new has come. Now this is where you should begin getting frustrated. Because all of us, according to Scripture, the old has gone. But how many of us still feel like we have our lives defined by the old? I'll just read some of the things that Paul named in Colossians chapter 2 that were maybe issues that he saw, right, in the context of all of this. Chapter 2, he says this, excuse me, chapter 3, Colossians 3, write that down, go read it for yourself. And speaking of this old versus new creation tension, he names the issues that we face. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil, evil desires, greed, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language, right? The old things have in mind our old former lives separated from God. All these things, right? All the emptiness, the brokenness, the insecurities that define our old life. How many of us still live in despair? We still live in frustration. We still, we still live in, in fear. We still live in worry. Our lives are defined by all the things that define the old life. Is that a tension for us? That Jesus says, the old has gone. You are a new creation. Paul naming these things, right? The old. How many of us would add things to that list? Yeah, that's my list. I'm going to add about 15 more things. Right? We're all very aware of the old. All of these things that Paul names and more. And we're living then in this tension. If the old is gone then why am I still wrestling so mightily with every single one of these? How come they seemingly actually define my life? How come, if I'm really a new creation, it's not defining my new life? 
Let's keep on going, right? Which leads to the phrase, the new has come, right? These words are miraculous. The new is miraculous, right? The new has in mind the, the, the mind-blowing reality of creation. Can you imagine, right? All, if, you, if you were literally sitting there one day in the bleachers, you get the 50-yard line bleachers set, okay? You're watching, first base side, you're watching creation, and all of a sudden, in the moment, you just hear this, and boom, you look, and there's something. You're like, whoa, where'd that come from? Where'd that come from, Right? This, this is miraculous. Are you kidding me? This new creation is, uh, oh my gosh, did you see what he just did? What is that? There's something that's like jiggly. We call it water today. But what is that stuff? I've never seen it, right? What are those beings, those things that are kind of, look like they're moving from point A to point B on their two legs. What are those? They're so beautiful. Human beings? Oh, thanks for telling me, Jesus, right? This is amazing. Did you dream these up? Yes. This was in part of our imagination, the dreams that we had. Isn't it beautiful? Oh my gosh, creation is beautiful. Listen, if you were a parent, you understand this. In the moment, right? You're sitting at the hospital, wife very pregnant, right? This is the moment. And you sit there with your hands like this, right? Hands like this. And all of a sudden, a baby, right? A baby comes on the scene. And the next thing you know, you get this ooky gooky thing in your arm. And you love it with everything inside of you. You're like, this a second ago, these hands were empty. And now I have this thing that I love, right? You got this whole thing. Why does my heart feel like it does. Why am I so motivated and moved towards this child? How come I, I just can't love it enough? I can't get it close enough. I don't care if there's stuff all over me, right? No, you can't have this child. It's mine, right? There's this thing about our children. We love them. We're drawn to them, right? We go from emptiness in our hands to all of a sudden a miracle sitting there. We understand creation. How many of you have ever said, People who don't believe in a God have never seen a baby being born, right? There's something miraculous. There's something coming into the world. It's like a new creation, right? This new thing, like, oh, I'm undone. The old is gone. The emptiness, the void is gone. And I have something new. The new has come, right? Something whole and complete being spoken into the void and taking the very place of the old, right? All of this, right? It's a new person, We are a new person. We are a new creation. In a sense, reality is we are a miracle ourselves. The new work, this new work, the supernatural work of God moving in the life of the individual that has changed this person into a new person, a new creation. They are the same person. Yes, they have the same look, but they are nothing about them is the same. Nothing about them is ever the same. You look and say, you're you, but you're not. You're like, yes. I am Superman, <laughs> right? No, seriously, it's like all this stuff. We are a new creation. The old broken parts have lost their power. The old broken parts, they've lost their power. They've lost control. They no longer can demand you to do anything. They can't move you. You are no longer a puppet on their strings. Why? Because you are a new creation. Those have all been severed. All chains have been broken. Does this create tension inside of you? Does it? Does it create a level of frustration because you're like, well, then why does the old life define my existence? Why does the old seemingly more about who I am than the new? And that's where I want to leave you. I want to leave you with the frustration. I want to leave you with that tension. Because it's something that should motivate us. 
and move us to Jesus. It should say, we should go to God and say, God, is it your fault or is it my issue that I'm still walking defined in this old? Does it mean automatically, God, if I'm all, listen, does it mean, this is, this is one, I'm just going to kind of give you a couple of thoughts to think about. If I'm a new Christian, does that mean automatically I can just immediately shift from one to the next? Because I'm already a new creation. What does that mean for me? God, what does it mean for me and you? What does it mean about, so all these things, right? So this week I want you to focus on this tension of being a new creation, right? I want you to read 2 Corinthians 5.17 and see if you believe it or not, right? That anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. That the old has gone and the new has come. I want you to, to, to wrestle with this tension. I want you to, I want you to say, what does this mean that about the, but the view I have of myself and what I, what I believe about myself and, and my abilities and, and my actions, right? What does it mean about the possibilities of my present life and, and my struggle with sin, right? What does this mean from being, being able to love God fully and, and, and to love my neighbor, right? I want you to land on all this stuff. If, if we really are a new creation, then what does it mean for us to live a life of generous living? That's the point. I'm bringing you back to the center, saying if we're really going to be people of generous living, who live like Jesus lived at Christmas... And we've got to come back to the core, because if we try to launch from a broken foundation, then we will never actually go anywhere. But I want to bring you back to the reality of what Jesus has done in you, and awakening to this new creation, so that when you launch, you're launching from a place of possibility. You're launching from a place of dreams, and launching from a place of imaginations. Because whatever you can dream is not quite big enough of what God can do. What you can imagine, empowered by the Holy Spirit, pales in comparison to what God can imagine and dream for you. Listen, each of us grew up using our imaginations to dream up scenarios where our lives, they have great meaning. And our lives make a great difference. A life where we are known. And we're known because we're the hero. I believe all of that. All of that dreaming and imagination, practicing and using our imagination and dreams with the purpose of pointing us to the possibility of what we can experience as new creations. Because let me tell you something, what God did in the new creation is something that no one could ever truly dream or imagine. Our dreams and our imaginations and the frustration we feel not being able to live in that should point us to the reality of the new creation, of what God can do in us and through us as a new Christian. Why? Because the new creation has been done in you. The model that God forms us out of is Jesus. When he looks at you as a new creation, the model he uses to shape and to fashion you is Jesus. We have been created in the image of God. That's why you're called Christians, little Christs. We walk around and we portray the life of Jesus, right? Every moment of every day, the great possibilities, right? That we can only dream and imagine as we become a new creation modeled after whom? After Jesus. It's the same substance and the same form of the creator who fashioned man and said, now, Jesus, you go and express for all of humanity what a man's life empowered by the Holy Spirit can look like. He's the model. 
Let me tell you how, and I want you to hear this. I want you to know, this is how you know that you are modeling Jesus' life well, because your desire of being a hero, it will be fulfilled. Because when you live your life as a new creation, people will think that you are a hero. Peter comes into the town, he heals this man. Everyone bows at his feet and calls him a god. He was the hero of the moment. Now, Peter was very quick in humility to say, no, 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 no. Oh, Jesus, right? He turns them to Jesus. But as a new creation, people will look at you and say, oh, my gosh, you're a hero. And then you get to say in pure humility and say, no, 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 I'm simply a new creation. The work of Jesus has been wrought in my life. And I'm living this life of adventure that I could never have dreamt about. I never could have imagined in my own power. But God came and took away the old. And he can do it for you, for anyone. Anyone who is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old can be gone and the new can come. It is the word of God for you. I'm not the hero. Jesus is the hero. He just lets me come along with him and do some of the work. And it is awesome. I could never have dreamt or imagined that. Generous living is birthed out of the dreams of God and his imagination as creator doing the new creation and the things that lie ahead of us are greater than the things that lie behind us. We are a new creation, modeled after Jesus. And there's a tension in all of that and a frustration because we're like, but Steve, I'm not living that out and I've been a Christian for a long time. I'm not going to answer that for you. I'm going to let you engage your own thought life and your own prayer life and your own time with Jesus and your own reading abilities so that you can go back yourself and process with Jesus these things. Let's pray. Father, you are good. We love you. We thank you for your presence with us. And Father, we just come and say, Lord, if we're honest, the old it seemingly defines our life. We wrestle with things in our mind, God. We wrestle with despair. We wrestle, wrestle with fear. We have all these questions and all this stuff, Lord. We just come this morning, and, and Jesus, even as, we, as I prayed and before service and this morning before we came, what I, I recognize it in raising frustration. God, it frustrates people. It gets questions being asked that people don't feel comfortable with. God, maybe they've even run from. And Father, this morning, I, I just know you're not, you're not afraid of those questions. And God, some of these things, God, it's, we don't have to say, well, I'm, that's, that's the sin I struggle with. This is the cross I have to bear. I'll just wrestle with that until the day that I die. I don't believe that, Jesus, and I don't believe you do either. Because you say the old has gone, it's lost its power, it's lost its control. And the new has come. We are a new creation of the same essence of the first creation. It's beautiful. It's powerful. It's magnificent. It is priceless. And Father, this morning, I pray that you would be with us this week to bring revelation, to bring awakening. God, to just show us the things that you think and the things that you do and the way that you move. God, I pray today for each person, Lord, who's really, really really embracing their frustration, really struggling with that even right now. God, I pray that you would come this week and that you would speak into them and bring awakening and bring clarity. Father, let's be honest. No man's voice, no man's book can ever bring the answer. Only the Holy Spirit can bring answers that we need to these questions that put our hearts and our minds at ease. And so, Father, I just release the frustration and the tension to you and say, God, have your way in our lives. 
Father, we recognize that as we come into this season in which you've called us to love well, God, it's expressed in generous living. And we ask for grace today to step into this in this season, that our life would be marked by generosity as we rest in you as a new creation, embracing the adventure and embracing the call that you have for our lives. Pray this in your holy name. Amen.